Welcome to the Fern Podcast, As the Season Turns. Released on the first of the month, each episode will be following the changing landscape of the seasons, from the moon and the stars to the tides and the trees. I'm Leah Lainders, author of The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide, and this podcast is created by Fern, makers of small-batch organic perfume who blend, barrel-age and bottle four fragrances a year, released at the equinoxes and solstices. We hope that this brief guide to the month ahead will awaken you to the rhythms of the year and help you to settle deeper into the seasons. It's January. Happy New Year. January is a tough one and often brings with it the January blues. Through the first half of winter, there was Christmas to look forward to, but now, well, it's still cold and dark, colder than ever, in fact, but with little hint of fun on the horizon. Plus, everyone's now telling you to eat salad. I think we should learn from our ancestors, for whom Christmas, or rather Christmas tide, continued in relatively full swing until Twelfth Night on the 5th of January, and who only then, after another round of feasting and song, began the year in earnest. The trick, I think, to getting through January well is to get outdoors if you can. Because there's actually so much beauty. The bones of the countryside are clearly visible now, utterly stripped of any softening leaves or flowers. A fuzz of purple stems against rows of stubble. Low light slanting across a field and picking up every ridge and furrow. The dips holding little pockets of last night's frost. It's gorgeous you do have to work a little harder for it. But if you can find the beauty and joy in January, well, you can find it anywhere. The Oak Tree in January The English oak, Quercus roba, is now in the depths of its winter slumber. With its leaves all shed in the autumn, a process known as abscission, the tree must stay alive using almost no energy, and this during the coldest month of the year, when it is likely to be battered by high winds, snow and sub-zero temperatures. But while the tree's branches seem asleep, its root system constantly adapts to the conditions below the soil. Seeking out stores of minerals and nutrients, they grow and die back according to where they are most needed. Mycorrhizal fungi, which grow on and alongside the roots, help the oak extract phosphates from the soil in a symbiotic relationship we are only just beginning to understand. Above ground, the tree's sturdy branches provide shelter for many animals and insects, from woodlice to bats, spiders to owls. The oak supports more life than any other tree species native to the UK. Even its fallen leaves, now drifted beneath its bare branches, are host to incredible biodiversity. In winter, identify the oak tree by its rounded buds growing in clusters, each with three or more protective scales. We often miss these, but every tree has them, little points of life along the barren branches. Bird of the Month Robin If you hear silvery, lyrical birdsong on a January evening, 
there is a good chance it will be a robin seeking its mate. Both male and female robins sing, and they do so all year round, making them one of the few birds to keep on singing through the depths of winter. Their large eyes mean they are well attuned to dusky light, and they are often among the first birds to start singing in the morning, and the last to stop at night. They sing tuneful, slightly melancholy phrases, followed by longer pauses, with the tone decidedly sadder and more wistful in autumn, and more energetic, upbeat and powerful in spring. The spring song starts as early as mid-December, and so is in full flow by now. Robins stop singing only briefly in the summer, when they are molting and not looking their best. The primary purpose of all of this singing is to defend their territories, and they are among the few birds to hold a territory year-round. A breeding territory will be defended by a pair through summer and is about half a hectare in size, while a winter territory is defended by an individual and is about half that size again. A male will respond to any patch of red when defending his territory with fights between two males, vicious and often to the death. The song is also used to attract mates, of course, and robins will pair up in the depths of winter. Soon after, the female will build a cup-shaped nest in a fully concealed nook close to the ground. The red breast supposedly came about when a brown robin was splashed with Christ's blood as it sang to comfort him when he was dying on the cross. Robins have long been considered to have a connection to the spirit world and to be able to pass on messages from loved ones who have died. Perhaps this is down to their relaxed and companionable behaviour around people, often keeping us company in the garden as we upturn the earth to provide them with worms. Honeybees are unusual among bees, in that they attempt to keep a large number of the hive alive through winter. In other types of bees, it is just the queen that overwinters. This is the real reason they make honey. It isn't just for our toast. And it turns them into mini yellow and black striped farmers, building up their workforce in spring, harvesting and storing through summer, battening down the hatches in autumn, and then eking their supplies through winter before starting it all again. This year I will be having a look at what goes on inside the beehive month by month. Inside the beehive in January. In the depths of winter, the main task for the beehive is keeping warm. There are very few flowers to visit anyway, and the colony stays inside the hive and survives on its stores of precious honey from the previous summer, or sometimes on sugar water provided by the beekeeper. To keep warm, the bees huddle closely together in a football-sized circle that spreads across several frames, called a winter cluster. The centre of the cluster can stay as warm as 38 degrees C, even when it's freezing outside. Bees on the outside of the cluster will stay almost motionless in cold weather, but those on the inside can move around a little in all but the coldest temperatures.
in season this month. From the hedgerows, woods and fields, chickweed, hairy bittercress, dandelion leaves, sow thistle, wintergrass. From the seashore and rivers, mussels, oysters, scallops, turbot, whiting, doversole, haddock, pollock, bass. From the kitchen garden, purple sprouting broccoli, carrots, Brussels sprouts, turnips, beetroot, spinach, Jerusalem artichoke, kale, chard, lettuce, chicory, endive, cauliflower, cabbages, celeriac, swede, leeks and forced rhubarb, and herbs, winter savoury, parsley, chervil, coriander, rosemary, bay and sage. Our traditional imports, Seville oranges, bergamot oranges, truffles. Here we come a-wassailing among the leaves so green. Here we come a-wassailing so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you a-wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. Wassailing is an ancient custom of cider-producing regions of England in which the wassail king or queen hangs pieces of cider-soaked toast in the branches of the most prominent or the oldest tree in an orchard. Wassail songs are sung, cider is poured onto the roots, and favourable spirits are enticed towards the tree. Wassail is also the name of the drink drunk on the day, and made by warming cider and apple juice with spices, sugar, oranges and lemons, and a dash of cider brandy. Finally, Shots are fired through the branches, pots and pans are banged, and the evil spirits are warded off. A good harvest is hence guaranteed. Garden task. Plant an apple tree. The cool and still inertia of the January garden can be turned to our advantage, most particularly when moving things that would rather not be moved. A tree that has dropped its leaves is in a state of deep sleep, and like gently lifting a baby from car seat to cot, there is an opportunity to make the move almost without a whimper, and certainly without a tantrum. This is the time to plant bare root trees, lifted from the ground by canny nurserymen, and transported with their roots wrapped in hessian, cheaper and available in greater variety than those grown in pots. Apples are often sold this way. Choose your variety, and then find one grown on a suitable rootstock, which helps to determine the size to which the tree will eventually grow. When the tree arrives, unwrap the roots and soak them in a bucket of water. Dig your hole, plant, backfill, firm down with a foot, and then stake against rocking winds. Once in place, and despite the continuing cold, the roots will start to tentatively explore their new surroundings. And by the time the first bud unfurls, your tree roots will be all settled in and drinking up moisture, ready to make the most of spring, summer and autumn. 
Moon phases. New moon, 2nd of January. First quarter, 9th of January. Full moon, 17th of January. Third quarter, 25th of January. The names for January's full moon include Wolf Moon and Stay at Home Moon. On the 6th of January, there will be a close approach of Jupiter and the crescent moon. They will first appear in the dusk at about 4.30 p.m. above the southern horizon at an altitude of 24 degrees. They set in the southwest at around 8 p.m. Meteor Shower of the Month, the Quadrantids. The night and pre-dawn hours of the 3rd to the 4th of January bring the peak of the Quadrantids, one of the more generous meteor showers of the year, with up to 40 meteors an hour at the peak, and even the occasional fireball with glowing tail. It is often missed as the trails are faint and the peak is quick, lasting no more than two hours. However, this year's peak coincides with the time just after the new moon, so there will be a dark sky, perfect spotting conditions. The 4th of January brings perihelion. This is the moment in the year when the Earth is nearest the Sun in its elliptical orbit. At 6.52am, the Sun will be 147 million. 105,052 kilometers away. During the course of January, day length increases by 1 hour and 35 minutes to 8 hours and 19 minutes at Inverness, and by 1 hour and 8 minutes to 9 hours and 13 minutes in Padstow. The average sea temperature this month in Orkney is 7.8 degrees C and in Penzance is 10.1 degrees C. Humpback whale migration. Humpback whales everywhere are epic travellers, journeying back and forth between high latitude areas of the world, the Arctic or Antarctic Circle, and the equator making full, luxuriant use of all the water temperatures the world has to offer, according to the seasons and their needs. There are populations in every ocean. Those of the Atlantic trek over 5,000 kilometres from the icy seas north of the Arctic Circle off Norway in summer, teeming with herring, mackerel and krill, down to the warm, lapping waters of the Caribbean in late winter. They feed themselves up in the north and give birth to and rear their young in the south. And on their way, they pass us this month. Their migration is usually pelagic, which means that they move through the open sea, well away from land. But one group, having summered in the feeding grounds off the Norwegian islands of Svalbard, have started making a Scottish stop-off in the Firth of Forth presumably to refuel and set them up for the onward journey. Since 2017, and despite very few humpback whale sightings in the Firth of Forth before then, there have been increasing numbers of sightings each year. This dramatic change ties in with a slow but steady recovery in the population of Atlantic humpback whales since the demise of whaling, 
which was a major industry in Scotland for hundreds of years. It is thought that as the whale population has increased, whales have started returning to areas they had previously been driven out of, and perhaps this is happening here. They will not stay for long, and will be on their way again before the end of the month, having made full use of our krill and delighted our whale watchers. A wassail ritual for one. This year I'm going to create a small, thoughtful ritual for each month for you to follow if you wish, adapt as you like, or just listen to and think about. As we've been talking so much about wassailing, I thought it might be good if our first ritual of the year was based on this. This is not a usual wassail ceremony for a crowd, more one for you and at most a couple of others, though of course you can adapt it as you wish. There are some words to be said as part of this ritual, and we've put them in the episode notes for you. Wassailing is traditionally carried out either on Twelfth Night, the 5th of January, or on Old Twelfth Night, on the 17th. A wassail ceremony is a pretty straightforward wish for bounty and abundance, for good crops in particular, and this seems like a fine sentiment with which to start the new year. Of course, you may have actual crops growing, in which case feel free to make this about them. But I also want you to think about your metaphorical crops. What do you hope to tend in the new year? What will you be bringing to fruition? What would success look like and feel like? There is a huge amount to be said for naming the thing you want to happen, and then for picturing it, and really holding that picture in your mind. Some might call it manifesting, some might call it prayer, but we are calling it wassailing. You will need a candle and matches, paper, a pencil, a plate, a hot spiced cider or apple juice. Light your candle and take a minute to think about what your crop will be. Now take three pieces of paper and write on them three ways you would feel yourself successful and abundant in this endeavour. Is it the completed craft project, the quilt laid across your bed? Is it the crowd of people clapping after your presentation, the longed-for book deal, the meal on the table that you've grown all yourself? Write these things down, making them as tangible and earthy as possible, and then really picture them happening. Now lay them on the plate and sprinkle a little of the hot cider over them, saying these words from an old wassailing ceremony. Here's to thee, old apple tree, whence thou mayst bud and whence thou mayst blow, and whence thou mayst bear apples enow. Hats full, caps full, bushel, bushel, sacks full, and my pockets full too. Huzzah! Drink the cider and think about the year ahead and all that you hope to accomplish. You can let the pieces of paper dry out overnight and then tuck them away somewhere safe to refer back to later in the year as your hard work bears fruit. January in the Fern Studio This month, in Fern's Somerset Studio, the Spring 22 fragrance is quietly macerating. This process is an exciting one. 
natural fragrance ingredients can blend in delightfully unexpected ways, so the team eagerly looks forward to sampling the final fragrance. Fern Ledger members received the Winter 22 fragrance in mid-December, with their bottles arriving in time to celebrate the winter solstice. Inspired by the air on a winter's day in Lyme Regis, a small harbour town on the Jurassic coast of Dorset, Winter 22 blends bergamot, sweet orange, marjoram and mimosa with the warmer notes of sandalwood and vetiver. Thank you for listening to this month's episode. If you've enjoyed listening, please do like and subscribe. All episodes are released on the first of each month. You can read more about the year ahead in my book, The Almanac, A Seasonal Guide to 2022, also available as an audiobook. This podcast has been created by Fern. Fern is an organic fragrance maker based in Somerset. Working with the rhythms of the seasons, they blend, barrel age and bottle four fragrances a year. Each fragrance is made to order for the names on the Fern production ledger. To join the ledger and find out more, visit www.fern.co.